Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, David Farmer. Well, hey, Launch University Tribe. Uh, This is David Farmer, and I am really excited about uh, this episode. Got a special guest coming all the way up from New Jersey. Mr. Terry Smith, and Terry has a brand new book that he is introducing. It's not his first. It's actually his second book, but I love the title. It's called The Hospitable Leader, and we're going to unpack the story behind that book and some of the key principles that Terry has learned in his work uh, that he's going to share with us. So let me first of all say, Terry, welcome so much to the Launch University Podcast. Thank you so much, David. It's a real great privilege to be with you. This new book, The Hospitable Leader, when did it hit? It is released on October 2nd. Ah, okay. Well, uh, this is fresh, guys, so you got to get out there and look for it. Uh, Terry, let's begin by uh, just having you tell a little bit about your story. You have been leading a really dynamic church, a large church up in the New York City metropolitan area. You're on the New Jersey side of, of things, is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Uh, I understand that there's, this is a unique congregation in a unique part of the country. Can you just share a little bit about that? Tell us what the church is like. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. So uh, I was invited to become lead pastor here in West Orange, New Jersey, 27 years ago this October. And I was invited to come by 54 members. And at that time, the congregation was obviously very small. It was a beautiful group of people, though, most of whom were, by the way, first-generation immigrants. Yeah. And they were meeting in the basement of a, frankly, smelly church on Main Street here in West Orange. Okay. And uh, this was, and your audience will relate with this, very much an entrepreneurial effort because we didn't start with anything except some beautiful people. We didn't have a building We didn't have any money and very little in the way of resourcing just in general. But over the years, by God's grace, this church has grown to a pretty significant church of several thousand people. And I'm uh, sitting now in my office on a beautiful campus, 13 miles from Times Square. And uh, we we're known for, I would say two things primarily. One would be our diversity. We have a really unique uh, situation in which there is not a dominant racial group in our church. Yeah. And so we're people from all kinds of backgrounds, racially, ethnically, and then very diverse in every other way you could imagine. Rich, poor, Democrats, Republicans, people who are very educated and folks who aren't so well formally educated, all kinds of people. We're also known, though, for our leadership culture. For whatever reason, we attract lots of leaders. And um, that can be someone just who's young, who's entrepreneurial, who's starting out in in their leadership journey, or people who are well-established in more traditional corporate settings. So it's been an incredible journey. I, I might mention I've been married for 35 years, and my wife and I have three adult children. And that's a big part of my leadership journey as well is learning to be a dad and uh, raise great kids. 
I hear you on that. I got three kids myself. I'm, I'm right there with you. And I want to add, as I listen, I'm just prompted to add a note to our listeners. You may be listening thinking, well, I don't work in a church. Uh, you may say, I don't even go to church. I don't really care about church. But I think there's so much to be learned from all types of different organizations. Uh, some of these leadership principles cut across it. And I, I learned from sports teams. I learned from politicians. I learned from the entertainment industry. I can certainly learn from churches and businesses. So you may not be in a church, working in a church, but I want to challenge you, hang in there because I think there's some things that are going to, they're going to apply uh, nuggets that you can take and apply to your own circumstance, whatever it may be. Hey, David, uh, can I, can I say something in response please. to that? Yeah, do it. So my educational background actually culminated in a, in a master's of organizational leadership. So I've enjoyed learning from a wide variety of leaders in a wide variety of disciplines. But I, m- I might also say, and and I've had the privilege to be on several podcasts in the launch of this book, and I've never name dropped before, but I'm going to name drop bec- because of the audience I'm speaking to. Uh, I have a relationship with Jack Welch, former president of, of GE, and Jack and I were talking about an idea that, that I had to write a book that has ended up being the hospitable leader. And one of the things we were discussing is how that part of my leadership journey here is that our church partnered with a, I think the largest developer in New Jersey, a, a, a Jewish friend of mine who partnered with this Christian church to, to create an eight acre property, 13 miles from Times Square. And we did it in partnership with each other. And I was telling Jack the story of all the, all the crazy things that had to happen for us to develop this campus properly. And Jack, in his very excited way, said, um, essentially, all this church stuff is boring. When you talk to business people, tell that story, because yeah. that story <laughs> is a story that business people can relate to. And I, I simply say that to say that, th- though, yes, uh, my experiences are rooted in, in the world of church, that there is, for any pastor of a growing, dynamic organization, a leadership piece that is transferable into almost any setting. And I have a tremendous admiration for the kind of people that you're speaking to through this podcast. And I I hope I can say some things that might be helpful, even though I'm just a local church pastor. Well, hey, I have no doubt when you start with 54 people and you figure out how to grow that, that tribe to thousands of people and you sustain that over the course of 27 years, there are lessons to be learned because that doesn't just happen by accident. One of the things we like to talk about is we not only want to see you be successful in your launch, but we want to see you be able to sustain that. So you've done that. Let's go to this concept that you've referenced. It is the title of the book, The Hospitable Leader. How would you define hospitable leadership, Terry? Well, a hospitable leader creates environments of welcome where moral leadership can more effectively influence an ever-expanding diversity of people. So hospitable leaders view life and leadership through the lens of hospitality. And we try to create environments where, where all kinds of leadership can be most effectively practiced. And this can have to do with physical environments that are welcoming 
but even more, they're spiritual, attitudinal, and, and, and communicative. So I want to, as a, a, a hospitable leader, create space where I can influence people. Where okay. people where people want to be influenced. I right, give me that again. That was that was really good. There's a lot there. You talk about the environments, the moral leadership. Give me that line one more time. All right. So a hospitable leader, and this is the technical definition of hospitable leadership that's found in the book. A hospitable leader creates environments of welcome, where moral leadership can more effectively influence an ever expanding diversity of people. All right. That's a big idea right there. I'm really intrigued because I work in the hospitality business as well with Chick-fil-A. In fact, one of my areas of responsibility is hospitality. It's interesting. One of the guys I learned from is right up there in your neck of the woods, Danny Meyer, who's one of the best restaurateurs in the country and not only has all kind of fabulous places around New York City, but has now he's got Shake Shack, which are popping up in sure. towns all over the U.S., and Danny wrote a great book called Setting the Table. I remember going up there and having a chance to just chat with him and learn from him a little bit after reading the book. Tell me what it is about hospitality that, because you don't always hear that built into leadership definitions. That's really unique. What is it about the concept of hospitality that you think is so critical? Well, I, I love this marriage of hospitality and leadership because I, I believe that you can't influence people if you haven't invited them in and welcomed them when they got there. And yeah. when, when you can get people to the table, when you can get people in a place where they're willing to listen to you, then you, you can be successful. So there are all these leadership theories and a lot of wonderful leadership theories, but I kind of view hospitality as a precursor to any of them. Let's say, for instance, servant leadership, which is amazing. Yeah. You can't serve someone who isn't there. Yeah. And it's hard to serve someone who, who even if they're there, doesn't feel welcome. So I kind of see hospitable leadership as a worldview, a mindset, an approach. And it can have multiple expressions in action and behavior, but it's kind of like a philosophical operating system that you, you see everything about leadership through this through this lens of hospitality. So, so how do you respond to folks who think of leadership as exerting power and control, uh, which feels very much in opposition to this idea of being welcoming and hospitable? Well, I, I prefer to think about leadership as influence. And I need to get people in a place where I can influence them. And so... I'd rather not, I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with power if it's used properly, but I just don't think that the best way, frankly, to think about leadership is in terms of power and control. I think, I think it's better to put people in a place where they're willingly influenced and where they engage their will in the leadership effort that you're exerting, not where they're being lorded over, but where they, they want to go where you're trying to lead them. Yeah. And th this is where I think there's a differentiation made between moral leadership and immoral leadership. I mean, yeah, say more about that. Well, Hitler was a very effective leader, but he wasn't a, 
a moral leader and moral leaders lead in moral ways to moral ends. They're taking people someplace good and they're doing it in the right way. And so, you know, hospitality creates an environment where moral leadership can be exercised and moral leadership is about engaging people's wills. It's about leading people who give you the permission to lead them. Yeah. Francis Hesselbein. Are you familiar with Francis Hesselbein? I don't know Francis. Well, Francis, um, Francis was the CEO of the Girl Scouts for many years. Okay. She won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. She was a, a, a protege of Peter Drucker and took over the Drucker Institute when, when Drucker passed away. And Francis is more than 100 years old and still very active. I say all of that to say that she spoke in our church one time and and she said that she has a tattoo on her shoulder. Now, this is hard <laughs> to imagine coming from Francis, a very dignified and elderly woman. She said the tattoo says, leaders of the past tell, leaders of the future ask. And I think, obviously, she didn't really have a tattoo, but, but the point is that, that in today's world, you have to get people's permission in order to lead them. People are not ultimately going to follow leaders whose idea of leadership is centered around power and control. So there is a moral leadership that causes people to want to be led. Yeah. You know, I mentioned you saying that I have an image just from this weekend. I was watching a couple of football games over the weekend and there was a play where where, uh, one of the college kid he, he made a mistake and it cost the team and he came off the sideline and I watched the coach who reminds me of one of those old leaders who tell just screaming and jerking his shirt collar. And it was painful to watch. And it just felt like inappropriate leadership versus so many other coaches that know how to tap into the potential of their players, encourage them and get them through a bad moment because we're all going to have them. And so anyway, they, they needed, maybe they needed Francis on the sideline for this game. So I would call that inhospitable leadership. And in the, in the long term, in today's world, I do not think that that will work. It may, yeah. you know, when, when, I was, when I was growing up, I grew up in a church culture not dissimilar probably from a lot of folks in the Bible Belt, which is where I'm from. And my pastor was uh, an authoritarian leader. Basically, everybody did what he wanted everyone to do when it came to whatever our mission was because he said to. Yeah. Sitting here in a suburb of New York City, I've learned over the last 27 years that if I want people to do something because I tell them to, I'm going to be wanting a long time. Yeah. I've got to figure out a way to motivate people to want to do good things ultimately because they want to do good things. Yeah. Can you give some um, just real practical examples of what it looks like to be welcoming and hospitable? Well, first of all, of course, there's there's physical environment, and you would be able to speak to that better than I could. But I will say that that we've worked really hard here at the Life Christian Church in this suburb of New York City to create an environment that welcomes people in every imaginable way. You know, you pull up onto our property and we've invested a lot in landscaping and a beautiful pond and fountains. And you walk through the door into our lobby and there's a, you know, it's very warm. There's a fireplace and there's a coffee bar. And we've tried to create welcome in the physicality of the place. 
But I think even more than that, it's in, in the hospital leader, I, I, I organize it into, into five welcomes. And one of the welcomes, for instance, would be dreams. One of the things that a hospitable leader does is they are hospitable to the dreams of their followers. So part of how we've created an environment of welcome here around dreams is that we've tried to make everything about the dreams of the people who attend the church rather than first and foremost about our corporate dream. Now, I've learned when it's all said and done that when people know you get up every day to help their God-given dreams come true, that they are very motivated to help the dreams of the organization come true. That would be another way that I would talk about how to create a, a welcoming environment is when people know that you're getting up every day to serve their dreams. Well, th that kind of mentality pervades everything about the organization. We constantly stress this. But one other thing I would say is to practice hospitable communication, which is one of the other welcomes in the book. You can speak truth to people in a way, which, by the way, is necessary in every organizational context that truth is spoken there. But you can speak truth to people in a way that is off-putting and that is unwelcoming, or you can speak truth in a way that's wrapped in grace and where people, even if they may not necessarily like what you're saying, like the way you've said it so much that they're still willing to listen. So, yeah, I often, often say if the person you're communicating with understands that you really do have their best interests at heart, it opens the door for you to go in, into places you might not otherwise be able to go and speak truth at really another level. You, you buy that? Absolutely. When, when people know that you, so the mission statement of, of our church is, to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread his love in ever-widening circles. I constantly say to the people in my congregation, I get up every day wanting to help you live the life God dreamed for you. And people have come to believe that. And we have so many great stories of things happening in people's lives because of the, 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 the way that our church has impacted them, that over time there's a narrative that says, you know, they mean that when they say that. And when, when people know that, man, they'll let you say a lot of things to them when they know that it's really about them. Yeah. I want to reference a concept I saw in your book that caught my eye. You talk about a warm heart. I've not seen anybody write about that. Unpack what you mean by warm, by having a warm heart and what that does for the leader and how that lands on those that the leader is, is looking to follow. So the first welcome in this book is called home. And it's very foundational to the whole concept of hospitable leadership. I, I talk about how that a hospitable leader creates an environment of home in whatever context they are leading in and how that Home is where people's hearts are warm. And when people's hearts are warm, they are much more susceptible to influence. Now, of course, we're going to use influence to, in, in a moral way, 
But the reality is when people's hearts are warm, then they're more willing to listen to what you're saying and take the action you're encouraging them to take. Abraham Lincoln said, to convince a man, you must first reach his heart because the heart is the high road to his reason. Mm -hmm. And I have absolutely learned that is true. There are a lot of people here, both on my team and in our congregation, who have a formal educations in, in leadership, lots of MBAs and MOLs and, and so on. But I've many times observed that uh, someone like that may lead a, a meeting in a business school way where it's, it's a just the facts, ma'am, Joe Friday kind of approach without understanding how important it is that before we get to the facts that we, that we warm people's hearts that people are sitting there receptive to what it is we're trying to say. And I know there's not a class in any business school called how to warm people's hearts, but I kind of think there should be. Uh, you know what? I agree. In fact, um, when I'm with some of the other Lawrence University guys, Kevin, Jeff, Shane, we talk about how soft skills, and this would be a great example of absolutely. Nobody talks about them, but we really think they play an enormous role in, in making a difference as to whether someone is going to succeed in their work or not. So I love the fact that you're highlighting this because I think, I think you're right on. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you just think about this. People need to leave a meeting, for instance, and this can be applied to a lot of things with more than an action item list. Yeah. They need to leave with an action item list, but they need to leave with their heart engaged. Yeah. I mean, this is results oriented. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Can I shift gears a little bit? Absolutely. You were talking about uh, in diverse environments, you've referenced the fact that there is an, a significant amount of uh, diversity there at the Life Christian Church. Talk about the importance of diversity and the power of diversity in organizations. And I, I didn't want to go. So, so what does a leader do to, to tap into that and, and really make the most of diversity? Now, David, you're going to have to interrupt me because I may go on at some length. No, bring in, in it. All serious, in all seriousness, stop me. So there's this great passage of Scripture, if it's okay if I reference a Scripture, yeah. Yeah. where the writer to the Hebrews in the New Testament said that we should keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. And then he said, and don't forget to be hospitable to strangers because you may be entertaining angels unaware. Well, yeah. The, the word that's translated hospitality there is, is, is a word that means to love a stranger. And this idea of, of loving people who are strange to us is so expanding for one's life and leadership and organization that it's stunning. And what I've learned is that oftentimes when I love the stranger, and by stranger, I mean anyone who's strange to me or to whom I am strange. When I love the stranger, I've learned that often they become a messenger from God to me, or that, that's what an angel is, actually. And so as I have, and I didn't, I didn't plan to do this. One, one thing I, I never want to do is I don't want to make people feel bad because uh, they may be leading in a different kind of place than I am and not have the kinds of opportunity for diversity that I do. 
Yeah. But one of the things I've learned is that my life has been so expanded by doing it in community with people who are not like me. And when we, when we are expanding the diversity of the people we're leading, there, there are all kinds of, well, th- those people become messengers from God and they help increase my ability to influence all kinds of people. Yeah. So, you know, w- one of the, I, I, I believe Jesus is the ultimate example of a hospitable leader for a lot of reasons, but one thing that he did that was unheard of in his time was he welcomed people to the table who had never been welcomed before. Yeah. And so this wasn't just doing things the right way. It also was very smart from a leadership perspective. So let's just say when he included women in leadership in a way that they had never been included before, he doubled his workforce, if you please. And you look at the what happened in the early Christian church where half of the households that are mentioned by the Apostle Paul, they were mentioned in terms of, of the woman who was leading the household. Yeah, You just think about the fact they had more than twice as many people now to carry forward the mission. Well, this is what happens when you welcome people to the table who've never been welcomed before. You're not just, it's not just about being a good guy, though we should care a lot about that. It's also about being smart enough to understand that every empty seat at the table is an opportunity missed to expand our influence, to sell our product, to move organizational mission forward. Yeah, you've got a line in the book that I love. Um, this is short, sweet, and I, I think it needs to be a, a, take, a clear takeaway. You say inclusion multiplies influence. That's pretty clear and direct. That's what you're describing. So if... if if you're a lead, what's your what's your a challenge to the leader that hasn't thought like that before? Well, 27 years ago, I hadn't thought like that, and um, you know, I was raised in in a suburb of Indianapolis, Indiana, with people who were like me in almost every way. And just to be frank, I, I didn't give a lot of thought to issues of diversity. It just was kind of a neutral topic to me. Well, I come here to the New York City metropolitan area, and um, in by, for some crazy reason, this church grows into this incredibly diverse congregation. And the way that my life has been expanded as a result of that, there's no, I can't even imagine what my what my life would be like if I if I wasn't doing it in the company with so many people who are different than I am. And I just would encourage every leader to see the whole diversity thing as an opportunity to expand one's life, to become a bigger person, to have experiences not known before. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, I, I, you know, just for the sake of, of the, of the life experience of an individual leader, not to speak of, the, the, the expanded possibilities for organizational effectiveness, I would say that learning to love people, involve people, include people, lead people, be led by people, not like you is a huge opportunity. That's a good word. Yeah, I like it. So I want to pick up on another one of your themes and ask you to unpack it and share some examples. You, you've got a chapter heading that's entitled Radical Hospitality, produces revolutionary results. 
that's strong. Break that down a little bit and share some of the examples where you've seen that to be true. We've just kind of spoken to some of it because when we practice this kind of radical hospitality, loving the stranger, we see results from that. Here's a great example, something that I, that I saw recently that being from Atlanta, you might particularly appreciate. I'm a big fan of Martin Luther King Jr. And one of the best autobiographies I've ever written is a, is a book actually that's not an autobiography, though it's called The Autobiography of Martin Luther King Jr. It's a collection of his speeches and um, writings and so on. And in it, and I want to be careful here in how I speak to this, but but I'm very moved by this. In it, I was I was impressed by what a hospitable leader he was, especially when it came to how he treated people who didn't understand his cause. And I tell this a story in the book about his relationship with John F. Kennedy, and how that when he first met John F. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy gave lip service to the cause of civil rights, but he didn't, as Dr. King said, basically he didn't get it in his heart. But then when John F. Kennedy was killed, Martin Luther King Jr. gave a speech where he talked about how he had witnessed the growth of John F. Kennedy from this guy from Massachusetts who had really no concept of the struggle that someone like King was experiencing how he had grown to uh, had to where uh, Kennedy had recently given what uh, Martin Luther King called the greatest speech on civil rights ever given. Mm. And what moves me by that is how gracious King was to Kennedy when Kennedy didn't get it. Mm. And how that instead of becoming inflammatory, and condemning, he instead built a relationship where over time, Kennedy could grow to understand the cause that ended up culminating after Kennedy's death and the passing of the Civil Rights Act of, of I guess it was 64, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I think in our society writ large, there is a need for a radical hospitality that values sitting down with people who don't understand you, who you don't understand, who everybody is yelling at, and instead sitting down and, and, and figuratively or li- literally having dinner and building relationships where we at least are able to talk to each other. And one of the things we need is we need to have some mercy on people who don't get us. And um, anyway, that's something that comes to my mind in terms of, I think that, that, that Dr. King practiced a radical hospitality in that the, even the way he protested invited people in. And, you know, he talked in aspirational terms about dreams in ways that pretty much anybody could have agreed with what he wanted from his leadership effort. Any thoughts on uh, how these ideas and principles might influence our approach to social media? Oh, (laughs) could we just be nice? Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here listening and what goes through my mind are, 
if you ever get sucked into reading comments and where people are just going back and forth at each other, and it's the antithesis of everything you're describing. And it, I just don't see how that possibly is going to end well. Well, in the context in which I live and lead, I simply cannot engage in any of that. Yeah. I have to be so careful about, well, everything. Because when you have a, a broad diversity of people, there's, there's somebody who's going to be offended at almost anything you say that's full of, of judgment. And I, I think we need to be really, really careful about, about the way that we're treating each other. Yeah, but you're not saying it doesn't, it doesn't mean we can't stand for something because you reference moral leadership, you reference the need to communicate truth. It's just how we go about it. it I appreciate you, you bringing me back to that because absolutely, if we, we need to stand for something and, and, and especially we need to stand for truth. Yeah. But if we, we need to engage with people relationally in a way where they actually want to listen to us. I, I, it doesn't do any good to be so inhospitable in our communication, whether it's what we're tweeting or, or what we're saying from a pulpit or in private conversation that can leak. If we aren't communicating hospitably, we're not going to be able to influence anybody anyway. So I, I think one of the big mistakes that I don't know if I should say mistakes, I want to be careful about how I say this, but leaders who only speak to their base clearly are limiting. If, if, if a leader is speaking, assuming when they speak that everybody already thinks exactly the way they are, they are not influencing. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I got to say, as we wrap up here, I think what you're, what you're speaking to and what you've uh, addressed in your book, it's so timely when there's so much division going on, whether it's red state, blue state, black, white, uh, it, you know, whatever it is that comes between us and, and we, we focus on the differences and we, uh, we get upset and, and, um, and just take things uh, down a negative path as a result. It's not productive. It's, it's not going to help you when you're leading, when you're, when you're trying to bring your own dreams or passions to life. And I think you've given us a great word. And uh, I want to thank you for that, Terry. And, and just invite you, tell our listeners, if they want to dig in deep and get the book and learn more about what it means to be a hospitable leader, what's the easiest way to do that? How, how can they find the book? Well, I'd love to tell you that. Thank you. So uh, someone can go to my website, terryasmith.com. And we have a, a special page for listeners of your podcast. So they can go to terryasmith.com slash launch. And uh, if they do that, they can uh, have free access to preview the book. And they also can, of course, order the book. And if someone purchases a book uh, from hearing this podcast by October 8th, by midnight on Monday, October 8th, they'll receive a free copy of the audiobook. Oh, nice. I'm a big audiobook listener, so I love it. Well, great. So it's terryasmith.com slash launch, and there's all kind of information there, including my social media contacts and so on. So, uh, and if someone wants, you know, they can just go to join the new hospitable leader community, and uh, we'll try to add things of value to their life. 
Well, Terry, I want to uh, congratulate you again for uh, bringing the book to life. That's a launch in and of itself. Uh, thank you for the just the ideas that you're putting out there because I think we need them. I think these are big ideas that we need. I want to encourage our listeners, dig in more. Uh, this This needs to be part of your style. We talk a lot about like emotional intelligence and soft skills and, 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 and how they can separate you and how they're so attractive to other people. And I think uh, you're hitting the nail on the head here. So appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to be part of the Launch University podcast. It's been a treat, Terry. Thank you, David. It's a privilege for me and I appreciate your work and uh, thank you. And, and, you know, God bless all your listeners. All right. Best of luck as you uh, continue to get out there and, and practice it up in New York and, uh, and, and share these principles. We're grateful that you uh, spent time with us tonight. Thank you. Well, Launch University listeners, thanks so much for taking the time to join us again for this episode. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Terry. Would really encourage you to uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that. Maybe even invite somebody else to do the same. Show them how to do it. Still find folks that aren't listening regularly to any podcast, and they don't even realize it's just right there on their phone. So help them out. If you can give us a rating or a review, we'd love that. You can also go to the Launch University website, which is launchuniversity.com, Y-O-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. You'll get show notes there. Uh, we'll give you the link to, uh, if you want to get Terry's book, The Hospitable Leader. I also got resources that you can find beyond that, brand assessment. There's Elevator Pitch, which is our, our training program to help you Come up with a way to convey the essence of your idea in a short, sticky manner so that if somebody wrote up a short elevator ride, you could explain it. They'd get off the elevator and know exactly what to do. So check that out if you're interested. Also, go to Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. If you follow us and tag a friend, we're going to automatically put you in a drawing to win two of Terry's books, one for you and one to give away. So thanks again. We're honored you spend time with us and looking forward to next time. We're closing in on a hundred episodes of the Launch University podcast. And there are folks who, believe it or not, have listened to them all. And we're really grateful for that. We're going to keep working to bring a great content your way. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.